This is Gracelyn Keller with the Becker's Behavioral Health Podcast, and I'm excited today to be joined by Dr. Christopher Rice. He is the Chief Medical Officer at Prairie Health. So Dr. Rice, before we jump into the podcast, can you take a quick moment and introduce yourself? Hi, thanks, Grace. I'm glad to be able to share my experience as a a psychiatrist with Prairie Health. I've been in psychiatry for the past 30 years. I come out of an academic background working in the University of California system as well as the Department of Veterans Affairs. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And my first question for you today is I would love to discuss what data-driven mental health care looks like um, and how we get there. Well, I think uh, data-driven mental health care isn't really anything different from data-driven health care. So coming out of the VA system, I had the the good fortune to be in an environment uh, that's embraced data-driven care for probably going on three decades. One of the key innovators in the VA was Ken Kaiser. And back in the 90s, he basically said, you know, you really can't change what you can't measure. And he was the one that really pushed for the developing development and implementation of electronic medical records. So the VA was one of the first to implement this widely. And that really set up the stage for having reliable information that you can then use to uh, assess the effectiveness of what you're doing. And I think we take for granted now that, uh, you know, if you're being treated for a chronic disease such as diabetes or hypertension, you're always looking at the the outcomes that you have. The, are you reaching the goals of getting that hemoglobin A1C under seven or getting that blood pressure down to a target? And if you're not, then you can go back into your you know healthcare processes and, and see what break where the breakdowns are occurring. You know, are you having uh, problems with patients not taking their medications, um, or do you have uh, insufficient follow-up? Are your prescribers perhaps not following the accepted guidelines? So, you know, using sort of those outcomes and then being able to look into the record of treatment, you can really then tweak your systems to to basically you know facilitate reaching those treatment goals so it's really not different in in mental health the only problem is that we don't really have what i like to call psychiatric vital signs so we can know a whole lot about a person's treatment say for depression you know what medications they're getting their adherence to treatment, 
perhaps looking at adjunctive psychotherapy, whether those are uh, in place. But what we're really missing is that uh, that number that would help us understand how we're we're doing in in treating depression. So I think that is a big challenge that it seems so simple, but yet it's not uh, something widely implemented. And, and what the real solution is, is to use various kinds of uh, rating scales. The problem is that uh, the way we assess depression is not by using a sensor or a lab test or you know some sort of device that really requires interacting with the, the person and finding out how their mood is and and because of this that it, it, it's been an impediment to uh, collecting that um, kind of uh, symptom data in a consistent way and in a way that can be sort of looked at on a bigger scale, and that means, you know, having it in in some sort of data field that is easily accessible. So I think uh, that I think this is a big challenge to figure out ways that you can do this that don't come with a lot of administrative burden for health the healthcare system and are acceptable to. The patient. You need to have something that um, you know a person is willing to do. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of time, uh, and you know has the acceptance to to be done on a regular basis. So I think that is uh, where we're we're at, and that's the main challenge. And it's once you know once you ha are able to to have this kind of uh, data on your population, it really makes it easier to go back and look at your systems of care and examine, you know, what are the things that we're doing that work well in terms of, say, reaching remission in, in depression? What are the things that need improvement? Well, thank you so much for those thoughts. I think that's a really interesting point to make. Um, and it often is challenging to gauge um, somebody's mental health, because like you said, we don't have those physical markers that we can look at on a, a test or a lab result. Um, and it's so much more just about talking to the patient. So that's very, very good point to make. Um, you kind of touched on some of those challenges in that last answer, but I would love to switch gears a little bit and discuss some of the other trends that you're seeing right now in the mental health space and behavioral health space? Well, I think another big uh, element of behavioral health is that it it's hard to access. So there's no question that the need is there. And I think with what we're all aware of that's happened during the pandemic, I mean, there's the the prevalence of mental health issues is really quite vast and and the demand is really outstripping you know what kind what capacity there is in the traditional 
kind of mental health um, care ecosystem. And, and by that, I mean the use of psychiatrists and, and uh, mental health professionals. So a lot of studies suggest that a lot, a lot of mental illness goes undetected. Uh, this would be especially true in primary care settings. And even if it is detected, there's a challenge in uh, being able to provide treatment. So I think one of the big trends that we're seeing now is you know, efforts to uh, really impact care in those settings. So the first step is being able to do reliable screening. So just as you would go into uh, uh, your primary care provider's office, you'd expect to have your vitals done. We need to be doing that for um, mental health symptoms. Again, doing it on a reliably consistent way and again, a manner that is collected as a piece of data, just like the numbers of a lab test or uh, a blood pressure. Once a person is identified as having something that needs further assessment and treatment, we need to be able to do that in a way that is not uh, cumbersome. I mean, right now, you know, a lot of, you know, offices would basically say, hey, uh, here's a list of providers, uh, good luck <laughs> calling them and getting an appointment. I think the, the, the new model is going to really start looking at uh, you know how can we provide some sort of treatment in that setting and one of the models is, is called the collaborative care model where that primary care doc or uh, nurse practitioner or PA can actually be the person that initiates treatment say with an antidepressant in consultation with a psychiatrist or care coordinator. You know, I think um, this is a model that works and it's a, a way of greatly um, expanding the access or expanding the provision of, of mental health care to uh, a lot of you know, patients that need it. You know, it also we we know that if you're you don't any kind of extra step, you're going to lose patients. You know, patients mm -hmm. aren't going to want to aren't going to be successful in finding a person. Uh, they may not have the energy to navigate into another system of care. So, the collaborative care concept really. Is something that will um, that can address this this problem and and, and really what we want to do in 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 all the things in all our efforts is to make uh, care patient centric. You know how can we um, do things that are not presenting additional hurdles to to patients. 
Well, thank you for your thoughts there. I think those are also um, good points to make on that topic. Um, and switching gears a little bit with um, from trends and stuff, I would love to hear your thoughts on how we can deal with some of the shortages of mental health professionals that we're seeing. Obviously, the pandemic has caused a lot of that, but there's also, you know, just in general, shortages of healthcare workers happening all across the country right now. I would love to hear your thoughts on that and how we can maybe strategize or deal with those shortages. Well, I would say there's at least two things that come to mind. The first is the collaborative care model really is, is one way of extending the um, capacity. In other words, there's no reason uh, a primary care provider can't um, initiate treatment for a fairly straightforward mood or anxiety disorder. And then really reserve the more difficult cases for uh, a psychiatric expert. I think the second point is that often there is a, a mismatch in terms of where the capacity is and where the demand is. And certainly telepsychiatry is one way to uh, address that mismatch. So I think as I think COVID has really been, you know, a huge boost to the con, you know, pretty much telemedicine in all areas of, of uh, healthcare, but in particular uh, mental health, it, it really offers a, a way of, uh, of matching that capacity with, with demand. So I think we're gonna see a good bit more development in platforms that support this kind of uh, matching. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Rice, for joining the podcast today. Um, I've had a wonderful time discussing these topics with you, um, and I'm sure our listeners have gained quite a bit from this conversation. So Dr. Christopher Rice, uh, he is the Chief Medical Officer of Prairie Health. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure.